All right. Hey, so um, first off, I, I hope that the, these last couple of days have been really good. I hope you've had a really good time as a team and really good time with one another, good discussions. I hope all those things have been really great for you. Um, I thought what we do first to kick off is I thought what it'd be great is let's do a little review. Like what is it over the last, uh, like even in the breakout, what are some of the things that you're learning? What are some of the things that you're kind of taking away and going like, this is a big deal, like I really picked this up, or this one thing, like maybe just the one thing, this one thing got me. So go ahead, just shout it out. Extroverts, this is your time to shine. Identity, identity. yeah. And what about identity? Yeah. Yeah, our identity, who we are, our purpose. Yeah, Corey did a great job this morning, help us understand that. Yes. Yeah, Adam and Eve worked in a perfect place and still weren't content, looking for more. Yeah, what else? Yes. It's okay to not have all the answers, right? Hey, we're messed up. We're all trying to figure it out. Yeah. Weakness and vulnerability are strengths. Great. What else? Yes. Yeah. Being sheep is about being loved, necess- not necessarily where you find yourself or where you are, like green pastures or in valley of the shadow of a death. It's being a sheep with the shepherd. You're good. What else? Yeah. It's okay to be a dumb sheep. <laughs> yeah, it's better that way, actually, in some ways. We get to trust and depend upon our shepherd to lead us. Good. Good. Um, well, we're going to go into Psalms 42, and, and here's, here's one of, uh, something I want to say to all of you. Um, it's been a huge honor for us to watch you all dig into this. And just kind of, I mean, these little times, we'll have some of that tonight too, where you guys are breaking up and talking. That is the thing, right? It's awesome that we get up here and we get to teach, but what you guys do in those smaller environments where you guys are opening up and talking, that's real deal. And honestly, if you can take that and just continue to model that in the environments that you go in, we're going to change stuff. Okay, as a result of that vulnerability of taking the word of God, going, whoa, this hit me, and letting other people know how it hit you, what you're working through, what you're dealing with is a big, big deal. So I just want to say, and I know for, for Corey and Dom, like we really appreciate the fact that you guys are getting into those groups and you're just talking about stuff and open up. It's pretty cool. So we love that. Psalms 42, that's where we're going to be tonight. This psalm uh, has absolutely... Uh, wrecked me and brought restoration to my soul. I hope, it, I hope it pleases your heart tonight. The word of God in Psalms 42 says this, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You see, my tears become my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them into a procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again Praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan to Hermon to Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and all your waves, 
They have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the reading of the word of God, and all God's people said, amen. Uh, I told you a little bit about kind of the crazy season of the last two years of my life, but actually it goes back a bit farther. Um, I was working at a large church in Arizona. I had had lots of opportunity to go do a lot of speaking, and, and then I went to India. So I was at that church for about three years, and then I went to India. And I thought I had, I thought I was a big deal, right? Because in India came, this organization came to me and said, hey, we'd love for you to, to teach uh, 800 pastors, Indian pastors. So I went to India going, I can't wait to teach them something. I'm going to show them, right, and just teach the word of God to them. And I'm going to encourage them. And then I showed up, and God rocked me, rocked me. Their brokenness their depravity, their pain, their hurt, and their love for Jesus, I I didn't know that Jesus. I had this very westernized version of Christianity, like where you just do a bunch of good stuff and everything kind of works out, right? And that's kind of western Christianity. I do my part, God. You do your part. That's kind of how it works. In in India, it, it didn't work that way. These men were humbled to their core. And not only that, I met a leper woman there, and I asked her a very simple question. No fingers, no toes, cataracts in both eyes. And I said, tell me about Jesus. And she started laughing hysterically. (laughs) You started laughing. I was like, "Uh, did I say something wrong? The translator. And she goes, I hacked this on video. She says, Jesus is everything. I don't need anything more. I am so happy. And I hadn't cried for about 10 years. And my soul exploded. Because again, I didn't know that Jesus. And it changed me, and I came back. And here's the thing, the church kind of continued on its way, but I had changed. And so I thought, I can't keep doing ministry here because something's going on inside of me. And I got totally wrecked. And so I started this organization 10 years ago called Phoenix One. And initially what Phoenix One was, was doing is helping young adults, millennials, get reconnected back into the local church under the banner of John 17, 23, that we would be one so the world will know the love of Christ. So we get this thing going. I'm like going, I mean, it's this brand new thing. It's this parachurch ministry. I'm going around to all the different churches. They're telling me it's the stupidest thing I've ever done, but I just feel like we're supposed to do it. We launch, and about a year later, we've got about 1,000 people showing up every other week. We've got a volunteer, of over, a volunteer team of over 180, and we're connecting with 255 different churches and connecting millennials back into So I'm like, we're doing it. This is what it, I was like so stoked. Like, it's happening. This is so great. I'm finally being used by God, right? And then I get this call from uh, Cooper's doctor. You need to come in. Something's wrong. And my son got diagnosed with leukemia. And so here it is, like mountaintop experience. Everything's going great. Like it's all working out. It's finally happening. This is what I've been waiting for in ministry. This is what I learned in India. And this is how I brought it back. And we're helping engage people and change people's lives. And what? 
And honestly, God and I had words. How dare you? I did my part. I did my part. I listened to your call. I followed what you asked me to do. I sacrificed a pretty healthy salary, a positional ladder that I was on, like, to go serve you. I was criticized. I gave up kind of this theological clout that I had at the time to join an ecumenical ministry, which everyone was like, oh, I don't know about this guy, right? And now my son's sick. And I was angry. You ever been there? You ever, you ever, you ever had that feeling? Maybe that feeling's going on right now as I'm talking. You're like, wait, wait, wait. I thought getting into ministry, I thought doing the right thing meant everything kind of works out. Like, like, like stuff just should go easy, but why does it keep getting harder? Why is it so complicated? And you start asking God this question, what the heck? What is happening? What is going on? I love this psalm because this psalm gives us the freedom to say, come on, bring it on. Talk about it. Let's work through this. It's so beautiful. It's helping us come to understand our humanity and who God is and what are we going to do in the midst of these two realities. And it, it's written by the sons of Korah. He's a, well, you know, if you remember there, it, in the time of Moses, the people of Korah, the Korah rebelled and God eradicated them except for this small group. So what ended up happening as a result of the mercy of God, they end up serving uh, the Levitical team the, 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 they, serve, uh, they were Levites and they served it like as worship leaders, as like kind of worshiping God as a result of the mercy that he gave. They were temple people. And they were constantly ushering the people of God into worship. And so he starts writing this psalm for us. And what we find in this psalm is so much of what we feel is he's in turmoil. Like he is in turmoil and, and he does these things as a result of being in turmoil. He does three things. We're going to walk through these things. He longs for God. He laments to God. And then he lectures himself. And I love this psalm because it's so human. It's so human. Have you ever just read a psalm and you're like, that's exactly how I feel. Like, you're like, wait, no, there's no pretty bow. There's, it's like really complicated. Wait, it doesn't mean that just because I love you and I have hope in you that everything works out. Like, it's so human. And I really love it. In the midst of, in the midst of uh, Cooper's treatment, my wife and I had this conversation. So I have a question. How many of you are optimists? Like, you're total optimists. You wake up in the morning and you're like, this is gonna be the greatest. Most situations, you're like, it's gonna work out, right? My wife, so I'm an optimist, and I love being an optimist, and the world needs optimists. My wife is a realist. That's what they call themselves, but it's pessimism, okay? They say realism because they don't like the, being called pessimists. And you're like, no, 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 we're just real. We just see, and you were just, how many of you are pessimist realist sorry realist how many of you are realists right you're like no 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 it doesn't roll that way right so i'm going through this whole time with our son and stuff's not working out and things are really hard and the prayers aren't being answered and i just keep saying to my wife listen everything's going to work out god's in control he's sovereign overall he knew this from the beginning of time he's playing you know just trust in the lord just we'll we'll follow him let's you know let's find joy in depravity let's find joy like let's find peace that you know and so i'm like 
every day trying to bring this. And finally she gets over it and she goes, would you just stop it? Would you just stop? Could you just be human for just a moment? Could you just be human with me? Could you just cry with me? Because I I couldn't. Because if I were to cry or be overwhelmed by the situation that we found ourselves in, I'm not sure how I can handle that. I don't want to feel the feels. I don't want to deal with the pain and the hurt. I don't want to deal with a, a God that allows this to happen in this. I don't want to deal with that. So I just kind of optimistically roll my way through it, and my wife was going like this. Jesus cried in the garden. He bled. He was human. He grieves over Jerusalem. Could you just join me in grieving over this pain? This is what the psalmist is trying to do for us. He's helping us to feel the feels. So join in to this psalm. Allow it to just saturate your mind and your heart and let it lead you in the rhythms of what so many of our hearts and we haven't given ourselves permission yet to fully feel and to deal with all the complexity that's happening in our lives. So what he shows us first here, I really love. He starts off, and and to be honest, if I'm really honest, this is the only verse I ever really knew out of Psalms 43. Like I memorized this one, I'm like, the rest of the psalm's gonna be great, right? It's because it's like, as a deer, right? Pants for the water, we love this. Uh, So my soul longs for God. My soul longs for the living God, right? We just love that imagery. Like, kids have this phrase. How many of you have heard this phrase from kids? I'm starving. How many of you have heard kids say, I'm starving? It's pretty annoying, right? In our house, it's a swear. And I mean that sincerely. I'm like, you have no idea what starving feels like, right? You know, they're like, I only had one course at breakfast, and it's, uh, it's 11 o'clock. I need lunch. I'm starving, right? And it's like, no, we, you have no idea what starving is all about. In this passage, he's going, let me show you what this is like. There is a deer, and he is in the woods, and this deer is frantic, It's frantic because it's dying without water. And it's searching for this water. You can almost feel it, can't you? You can see it in your mind's eye, this deer that's frantically going through the woods, up and down the mountains, trying to find flowing streams so it can have life. If it doesn't have that, it will die. This is what we're being invited into as it relates to a pursuit of God a longing for God, a near, wanting to be near to him. The psalmist just goes, I want you, but here's what I found about myself, and maybe you're a bit like me. I think we date God. I think we like to date God. We go like this, God, you got some characteristics I really love. I love all this lovey-dovey stuff. I like that. I like the blessing stuff. It's really good. If you could just bless me, I call it Skittle Christianity. You know what Skittle Christianity is? It's how many of you like a certain color of Skittle, Right? It's not like you're not going to eat the whole bag, but you just kind of like the one Skittle. Like, this is what we've done with our faith. And this is how we kind of date God. We see kind of, we'll see how it works out, God. We'll see if you do your part. If you do your part, then I'm going to fully accept you, fully follow you. But if you don't, then I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, I have doubts about you. I have doubts about this relationship. This is not what the psalmist is inviting us into. This is not what it means to say, the Lord is my shepherd 
I shall not want. He is showing us, he is helping us understand a deeper understanding of what it is to long for the Lord. Long for his presence as a dying deer is looking for streams of life and water. So I long for that from you. I desire that from you. Brother Lawrence has this really beautiful quote. And if you've never read his book, you need to, Practicing the Presence of God. If you've never read that book, I I read it almost every year. It's one of my favorite books. This quote makes me very uncomfortable, so I can't wait to share it with you all. And he says this, My my most useful, and he's talking about how he's connecting with God, my most useful method is this simple attention done with a passionate regard toward God to whom I find myself often attached with greater sweetness and delight than that of an infant to his mother's breast. So much so that if I dare to use the expression, I choose to call it this state the bosom of God because of the inexpressible sweetness which I, which I taste and experience there If sometimes my thoughts wander from God because of necessity, I'm recalled back to God soon after by an inward sensation so charming and delicious that I am afraid to speak of them. I wish I felt comfortable enough to talk about my relationship with the Lord that way that I would say my relation, I feel so near to him, I long for him like a deer dying for, that my thoughts of him are so delicious. How many of you have had delicious thoughts of the Lord and his love for you? That those thoughts of him and his nearness to you and his love toward you are so sweet and so nourishing that you're overwhelmed by them. And I think most of us don't. Because we're too busy kind of dating God. We'll see if it works. But here the psalmist is inviting us into intimacy with God, not following God. Intimacy, deep abiding love to the point where the psalmist is like, he starts off verse 1, I just want you, like a dying deer wants water, I just want you, I just want more of you. And verse 80 says this, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, And at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life all day long, even in the morning, all at night, even as I dream his sweetness, the the delicious thoughts of him overwhelm me. He is always near me. He's inviting us into something deeper, something more our souls want and desire because when you long for God in this way, you will not only see how distant you really are from him, but you'll also see the disparity in the world. And that is what he's wanting to draw us in first. This is what he's missing. This is what he's longing. I want more of you. I want more of you. So here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to take a moment, and and I want you to declare a longing to God. Now again, this could be something you journal. You can just It'd be great maybe if you have your smartphone. I want you to write a longing to God. So here the psalmist says, as a deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you. So what would be a longing that you have for God? 
What is it that you would say, I, this is what I long from you, God? So why don't you just take like three minutes and write that out or type that out, a longing from God. So go do that. Give you 30 more seconds. All right, <clears throat> so if you'd be comfortable to share, uh, this is, again, getting into the vulnerability space. Uh, if one of you, one or two of you would share, like, this is my longing. This is what I long from God. This is the longing that I, I put down. Somebody go ahead and say one out loud. What do you long from God? Long for a joy and a peace that goes beyond all circumstances. Yeah. What's a longing? Go ahead. Comfort. I have a longing for comfort. Anybody else? What's the longing you have from God? Yeah. Intimate trust. I like that word for trust. Yeah, intimate trust. Not just... Trust like, well, we'll see if it works out, but intimate. I know you, you know me kind of trust. That's really good, yeah. What else? Yeah. I long to clearly hear his voice. God, speak to me. I'm listening, you know. Your servant is listening. Yeah, it's good. Long to hear your voice. Anybody else? Any other longings? Go ahead. To be made whole. Lord, I want to be made whole. It's good. Yeah, so what happens with the psalmist is this happens. He has this deep longing. And so many of you have longing. So many, I definitely have longing. And what happens is something doesn't go right. And so he's like 
frustrated. And so he starts in on this lament. And he starts lamenting to God. Here's what I want you to know. It's okay, I promise. We can lament to God. The Psalms are more laments than they are worship. He wants it. David is a man after God's own heart, and he is a lamenting man. And so he is lamenting because he has this longing, but his circumstances aren't accommodating this. It's it's so confusing. He doesn't know what to do, right? In verse 3, he says, My tears have become my food day and night, while my enemies say to me, Where is your God? In verse 7, All your breakers and all your waves crash over me. Verse 9, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? What the heck, God? What's going on, God? I'm longing for you, but my circumstances are getting in the way of all this, and I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed by this. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt this way like stuff's not working out? And I'm overwhelmed. I have this deep desire to grow in my intimacy with the Lord, but the circumstances in which I find myself in come into conflict with that. Have you ever felt that way? And what we do is we really struggle to kind of work through that. In fact, I've been going to counseling for the last three years, and my counselor says this to me. He says, Jeff, it's very interesting. Anytime you talk about something great that God's doing in your life. You, you talk about this deep connection with him. You talk about how you sense his presence. But it seems to me, anytime you talk about something difficult that's going on, that you keep him at an arm's length. Do you feel that with me? Can you be convicted with me in that moment? That when things are going right, we're like, oh, right? When things are hard, we're like, whoa, Right? Because the posture of our heart, we want it to be this, but really it's this. We want this, but really the way we're living our lives is like this. I don't know if I trust you. I want you, but I don't know if I trust And our souls are in conflict. We don't know what to do. And the psalmist does, it says, lament. Lament. Because so often the tension in our hearts is that we have in our mind this agnostic God who's in a cosmic rocking chair going like well figure it out figure life's tough i went through it it's hard just figure it out and and we struggle to find that connection with him the psalmist is like release it to him lament it to him say it out loud god is not offended by your humanity i want you to hear that god is not offended by your humanity He did not stay at an arm's distance. He came near. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Let let this passage just speak to you. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who passed through heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us take hold. Let's hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. 
William Barclay, as he starts to, he's a commentator, as he starts to unpack this passage, draws this out. Because Jesus was perfect, he felt whatever pain you went through at the deepest level because he didn't give in to the sin. So whatever you're feeling, whatever hurt you're working through, he knows it. He's a good shepherd, and he's leading and guiding you in that. And when you're struggling, what he wants from you is to say, I'm struggling. He wants you to be honest about it. He wants you to lament about it. So lament, be honest about it, but don't turn away. So the psalmist is teaching us, I have this longing, but I also have this lament. My lament is not pushing me away from my longing. It's allowing and bringing context to a deeper understanding of who I am and who God is. Which leads us into this next section, which is he lectures himself. But before we go there, here's what I'd like you to do. And this one is good. I'd like you to take... Three, three to five minutes, we'll see. And I want you to write a lament to God. So take your phone, take your journal, and write a lament to God. And it could go something like this. Here's a lament that I have. God, I lament that no matter how hard that I strive in this world, that I never seem to feel like I'm getting ahead. And I lament that I, I, I continue to be covered with that depravity. I feel like I have to prove over and over to you that I matter instead of just resting in your love. And rest, I lament that situation of my heart. I lament that I have to struggle through that. That is a lament of my heart. So write a lament to the Lord based upon something right now that's personal to you that you're going through.
give you one more minute. How, uh, how was that? Was that easy or difficult? Raise your hand if that was like an easy thing to kind of get out. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah. How many of you, that was hard. It wasn't easy, right? You're like, am I allowed to say this? Am I allowed to voice this out loud? Maybe some of you have never done that before. But the psalmist is teaching us, like, it's okay. He wants to know your hearts. He wants to know your longings and he wants to know your laments like give him all of you give him all of you we're a hot mess he knows it get it out get it out and talk to him prayer is the safest place on planet earth he already knows just he wants you to release it to him to let him know your hurts and your pains even about him which is what the psalmist is leading us into this is what i'm saying to god jesus goes to god says, my God, my God, what? Why have you forsaken me? Why? Jesus himself says, why? It's beautiful. So what he does next is so beautiful. And this is kind of the cornerstone of the whole passage because he, he repeats it in verses 5 and 11. And it's this beautiful, beautiful moment of self-reflection of which he says this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. As a part of going through my uh, counseling over the last three and a half years, I, I learned to talk to myself. I learned to start identifying what was happening inside of me, right? Because for the vast majority of my life I've been surviving, which means I don't really have a lot of feelings. I don't know what things feel like, hence cancer as a result of anxiety, right, over a long period of time. And so I started learning this process to ask myself. So one time I was sitting in this meeting, it was kind of like an executive level meeting, and they're like coming, I, I presented an idea, and they're coming after me, and I find myself being very defensive, and so I started just asking the question after I was talking to myself while the rest of the conversation is going on. I'm like, am I a defensive person? So I started asking that question. Am I defensive? I wonder if I'm defensive. So I went and asked somebody who was in the meeting. I'm like, hey, am I a defensive person? And they were like, oh my gosh, you were like the most defensive person. And I was like, I am? And they're like, yes. And I could never see it. And so I started going, I wonder why I'm defensive. Do you know why I'm defensive? I'm defensive because you're coming after my identity, which Corey talked about. You're threatening me. You're telling me I'm not valuable. And if I'm not valuable, I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm not sure why I exist. So I have to let you know why I'm most important and why my idea is most important because if it isn't important and you don't think what I'm important, then I don't deserve to exist. That's a three on the Enneagram to like a T, okay? And so I started going, whoa, where did that come from? Oh, it came from a dad who I could just never please, never smart enough, 
no matter how much Jesus I, I got into, I did led Bible studies, prison ministries, mission trips, I memorized verses, I was a worship leader, I led Bible study, it didn't matter. It was always something else. And he lived inside, he lives inside of my head and my conscience. And I, I'm not saying my dad's a bad man. He loves the Lord. But his influence on my life really hurt me. And so I had to start questioning what is actually going on inside of me? Why am I acting this way? Where is this coming from? This is what the psalmist is trying to teach us. Our souls are leaking things out. They're leaking things out. We have these longings, we have these laments, but we need to start lecturing ourselves and going, what is really going on? And here's what I'd like you to know about the particular place in which you work. If you're not careful, you'll make your church the problem. And I promise you, you're first and foremost the problem. Not to say they're not perfect, and not to say your leaders don't have problems. They do. But if you spend all your time trying to blame them, you'll never have to deal with you. And the Lord is wanting you to deal with you. He's wanting you to talk to yourself. He's wanting to go, why does that make me so angry? Why am I so hurt? Why do I shut down? Talk to yourself. He's going, why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul. Why? What, what is causing this? I know who he is. I know the truth of what your scripture says. I know what the Torah says. I know it. I have felt his love. I have felt his presence. Why am I so downcast as a result of everything I'm going through? What is going on inside of my soul? Lloyd-Jones, was a, Martin Lloyd-Jones is a, a pastor. He's passed away, but he's a brilliant man. He says this. Have you realized that the most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not orig uh, originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring you back to the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment, he's talking about the psalmist, was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul, he asks. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and he says, self, listen for a moment. I need to speak to you. What if we started doing this? Self, you need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Self, you need to hear that you are loved by God Almighty, to return to the longings that we started with, these longings of nearness, this longing of your presence, these delicious, sweet thoughts of him and his love for us. We need to start preaching that to ourselves. We need to start lecturing that to ourselves so that we can start believing and working against these insecurities that continue to boil up and squash our lives. And by the way, hurt the people that God has called us to lead because our insecurities 
are like a sneeze. And they just get all over everybody. And we need to talk to our souls and talk to ourselves. So what does he do? He starts to realize, why so downcast? Oh, my soul. Put my hope in God. Nothing's wrong with God. What's wrong is we are the problem. G.K. Chesterton, at the height of his pastoral career, answered a newspaper article that said, what's wrong with the world? And he replied to them, I am. I'm what's wrong with the world. You're what's wrong with your church. You're what's wrong. And it's okay. Like we talked about in the first talk, it's okay. But we've got to get that out. And we need to confess that it is not God. It is us. And this is what the psalmist is teaching us. He's going, it's me. And I have to realign my heart with who he is. And he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. And what does that do in him? It reminds us to put his hope in the right place. Not in the situation. It's good to lament, but not stay there. To move forward in the hope of who he is in Christ. And so here's what I'm going to invite you to do. And this is the last time that I'll invite you into doing something. This is what I'm going to invite you to do. I want you to get in groups of three, five. And I want you to, I want you to have this honest discussion with one another. How would you lecture yourself right now? Based upon everything you've heard and everything you've gone through, how would you lecture yourself right now based upon what you're going through? It's a great time for you to be open and honest with one another. So take three to five minutes. If you need longer, it's okay. We got it. So three to five minutes, groups of three to five, and get after it.
in the house over there.
All right. Uh, do you guys need more time? Just raise your hand if you need a little bit more time. Okay? Cool. I'll give you two more minutes. Two more minutes, and we'll wrap up. All right. Why don't we uh, Why don't we come back in? Bring it in. You guys are doing You guys are doing such a good job. But why don't you guys bring it in? I hope you'll be able to continue these later on. You guys are You guys are crushing it. Um, as you listen to one another, what did you learn? As you listen to one another, what did you learn as each other were lecturing yourselves? <laughs> what did you learn? Yeah. Yeah, similar lectures. Isn't that interesting? That seems to be a common theme. I think maybe Corey and I might be getting at something. Um, what else? What else did you? Yeah, go ahead. Mm, yes. 
Yes, so what you're saying is you're weak. Yeah, that's good, okay. Me too, good, we're in it together. It's great, good. What else, what else? Thank you for that, that was great. Thank you. What else? What are you learning as you guys are lecturing to yourselves? Mm, season of distraction. Yep. And all those laments, if you get caught in those laments for too long, they become really distracting. You know, Israel caught in a lament for still a long time, <laughs> you know. Go ahead. What else? What else did you learn as you lectured yourselves <laughs> to one another? Yeah, really good. It's okay to be vulnerable with yourself, <laughs> right? That's so good. That's a great one. Uh, the psalmist wraps up the psalm. He has in the middle of the psalm, he wraps up the psalm with this idea. Hope, hope in God. Hope in God. This is the anthem of Scripture. This is the anthem of Scripture that's fulfilled in Jesus. The anthem of Scripture, you, you give me the story, it's going to come to a place at some point where they have to hope in God. Jesus is the fulfillment of that hope. I'm going to read this passage for you, and it's going to get you really excited because it got me really excited. 1 Corinthians 1, 19-20, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. You know how we would translate that? Amen. Amen. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, the yes, is spoken by us to the glory of God. We get to live in this amen kind of life as a result of what Jesus did. He's the hope of glory. He lives inside of you and I through his spirit, a great sacrifice for what Jesus did, which means we don't stay in the lament. We live in his glory. That's where we find our hope, and we're bearing our hope, so many of us, in a position, in a salary, in a pastor's approval, in numbers from your kids, right? In influence, all the other things, in a hope of a political system, like, stop, it's not working. Our hope is in God, this is why he's in this place of lament and he's reminding himself back to this longing of like, wait a second. It's a deer pants for the water. That's how I want you. You're my hope. You're my desire. You're my focus. The world around me will continue to come over me and be difficult. It will. And you need to lament. You need to. It's good to lament. But don't get lost in your lament. Move forward in hope. Preach to yourself. What's going on with your soul? But don't forget, hope in God. I, I spend a, a decent amount of time in India. It's kind of like a home away from home for me. And uh, I was there three years ago, uh, right before all this craziness broke out. And I was in this village just outside of a, a, a town called Padapuram. And Padapuram is the second largest uh, red light district in southern India. And so this church plants, so the organization I work with has planted 2,500 different churches. And so I would go out, and this is, by the way, the first organization that I went and preached to these pastors. They wrecked me, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to commit my life to just loving and being there with them in the trenches. So I, I go back and visit these pastors. So I'm in this, pa in this village outside of Padapuram, in the middle of nowhere, thatched roofs, you, you, I mean, dung huts kind of thing. And I go meet with this pastor, Pastor Abraham, and I sit with him. 
And being a pastor in India means you choose poverty. You choose it. The moment you say, I'm going to be a pastor, you choose poverty. You choose physical abuse by your community, which means they beat you with a rod. And not only do they beat you with a rod, they beat your wife with a rod, and they beat your kids with a rod. And then they burn your house down, and you have to keep rebuilding it. They burn your church down, and you have to keep rebuilding it. And I asked him, in, in true sincerity, why did you decide to be a pastor? And here's what he said to me. Because Jesus loves me. And I just want other people to know that. We've lost that. I thought, no, there has to be more to this explanation. <laughs> like, there's got to be some more logic. But for him, he so feels what it is to have this deer that pants for a water. His soul is just so connected with God, his love for him, that it just spews out into his community. He's willing to give up his life. His his sacrifice, he's willing to give up his safety, his money, because he just wants people to see Jesus and see what happens is you all are responsible for souls. We all are. But if we get sideways with our situations, we forget that one, we're a soul that's been cared for to care for other souls. And what this man has taught me, and I get to now tell his story all over the place, is that when you truly come to understand that Jesus loves you, it will radically shift the way you lead and love the other people around you. Augustine has this great quote, it's very famous, and it says this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Psalms 43 is a declaration of our humanity, that we long, we lament, but we need to continue to lecture ourselves about the truth of the gospel, that Jesus is not far away, that he came to us, that we are not abandoned. The Spirit of God said, I have to go away so the Spirit of God can come and you'll do greater things than me, lives in us. And when we get sideways in our situations and we get sideways in our lament, we miss the Spirit of God. We miss his leading and his calling that he's given on each and every one of your lives. Move forward in who he's called you to be. Thank you for being honest with one another. Thank you. Thank you for being honest with yourselves. But don't let it stay here. Continue to move forward in this freedom of being vulnerable with who you are, your weakness, and then also affirm who you are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father God, we love you. How precious this psalm is. I just, it's just so precious. Thank you. You just went like you put that in the Bible. Like it needs to be there. The people for generation after generation, millennial after millennia, are going to need this for their souls. They're going to need to be able to be honest and open about where we're hurting and what's going on in our discouragement. But God, that we would learn to lead into you and that you would lead us into the life everlasting as we grow, grow near to you. Teach us to be honest with ourselves. Teach us to be honest with who you are 
and teach us to live it out in this world for your glory and your honor in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.